0: Bridgebank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. Bridgebank, a division of Western Alliance Bank, Bridgebank. Be Bold, venture wisely.
1: Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's hey podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mindshift, Right Nowish and more all tell the stories of the bay and beyond
0: From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Welcome back from the weekend that was one that brought hellishly hot temperatures up and down the state, with Death Valley hitting a record 130 degrees, possibly making it the hottest place on earth. And the weather brought plenty of surprises, including lightning and thunderstorms that jolted many of us, myself included, awake in the wee hours. There were also a series of rare fire tornadoes near the border with Nevada, where firefighters are battling the Loyalton Fire in the Tahoe National Forest. But the most widespread disruption came from the state's first power blackouts since the 2001 energy crisis. And it came just as those hot temperatures were growing to be unbearable on Friday and Saturday evenings.
2: The last time we had a heat wave like this was back in 2006.
0: That's Michael Wara of Stanford University, who explains that the California ISO, that's a nonprofit that operates our grid, told the utilities to power down parts of their system.
2: There was so much demand for electricity to provide cooling, primarily, that there weren't enough power plants available to meet the demand. And in that circumstance, the California ISOs Best course of action is to ask the utilities to start turning the power off intentionally rather than allow kind of a system failure to occur where the supply and demand for power get out of balance and kind of a runaway system blackout occurs as a result.
0: To be clear, those widespread power outages are different than the public safety power shutoffs that utilities like PG&E and SoCal Edison have used to lower fire risk. In this case, they were told to shut down power, and the heat wave is expected to continue into this week. Those fire tornadoes we mentioned took place as crews were battling the Loyalton Fire in the Tahoe National Forest. That blaze is one of several burning around the state this morning. So far, it's scorched over 36,000 acres. It's now 5 percent contained. Mandatory evacuations are in place near the border with Nevada. And in Monterey County, the River Fire burning near Salinas has forced evacuations there, too. That one's burned 2,800 acres, and four firefighters suffered heat related injuries while battling the blaze. We're going to go to Sacramento now where Joseph D'Angelo, the man known as the Golden State Killer, will be sentenced by a Sacramento County Superior Court judge this week. KQED's Julie Chang reports. D'Angelo's hearing will begin Tuesday morning with victim impact statements. The former police officer was arrested in April 2018 after a new DNA evidence technique linked him to a series of brutal rapes and murders that took place in the 70s and 80s across the state, including the Bay Area and Sacramento. D'Angelo pleaded guilty in late June to 13 counts of murder and kidnapping, and he admitted to committing several dozen rapes and other crimes. The guilty plea came after D'Angelo took a deal that spared him the death penalty and would instead sentence him to life in prison without the possibility of parole. His hearing will be live-streamed on YouTube with victim impact statements continuing through Thursday. The final sentencing will take place Friday. For The California Report, I'm Julie Chang. Turning to politics in Sacramento, State Attorney General Javier Becerra says his office is reviewing a decision by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals striking down California's ban on high-capacity ammunition magazines. On Friday, a three-judge panel ruled two to one that the blanket ban is an unconstitutional violation of the Second Amendment. UCLA law professor Adam Winkler says the legal decision, which was written by a Trump-appointed judge, is unusual for the Ninth Circuit, which represents Western states and is traditionally the most liberal federal court.
2: I think this opinion is a harbinger of
0: what gun safety advocates may see in the future, which is more gun control laws being questioned
1: by courts that were once reliably liberal.
0: An attorney for the California Rifle and Pistol Association calls the decision a huge victory for gun owners and the right to own a firearm to defend your family. In a statement, Attorney General Becerra says his office remains committed to defending California's gun safety laws. Becerra did not say if he would ask a larger 11-judge appellate panel to reconsider the ruling by the three judges or if he would appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Turning to national politics, the Democratic Party kicks off its national convention tonight. But thanks to the coronavirus, what was supposed to be a massive gathering in Milwaukee is now a dramatically pared-down event. KQED politics reporter Katie Orr tells us what we can expect.
1: Four years ago, thousands of people clapped and cheered as 2016 Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton took the convention stage in Philadelphia. This year will have a much different feel, one we got a preview of as 2020 nominee Joe Biden gave a speech introducing his new running mate, Senator Kamala Harris.
2: Good afternoon, everyone. To me and to uh, Kamala, this is an exciting day.
1: No cheering, no crowds, hardly any people. It was a socially distant event designed to keep everyone safe from the coronavirus. And it's how the Democratic Party will conduct this week's national convention. Remote speeches, pre-produced video content, and plenty of Zoom meetings for delegates like Hania Jodat-Barnes. This will be the first convention for the California Bernie Sanders delegate. And she's worried the virtual nature of the event will make it easier for leaders to ignore the progressive wing of the party.
0: Nonetheless, that has not
1: really stopped us from moving forward and working on platform suggestions on Medicare for all, Green New Deal, as well as for some of us, foreign policy and demilitarization. Jodat Barnes took part in a so-called shadow convention this past weekend that focused on progressive causes, also held mostly online. Delegates aren't the only ones dealing with the fallout from this year's unusual setup. A lot of people use the convention for networking and business purposes. Democratic consultant Rose Kapelczynski says the national gatherings are helpful because they bring all the important people to one spot. You can stand in the lobby of the convention hotel and see members of Congress, mayors, Democratic activists from all over the state, and it's that informal networking That is such a special part of a national convention. She said it's especially helpful for people from states like California, which is so big, it's rare for everyone to be together. But Kapolchinski says a lot of those meetings are in hot, crowded hallways, not exactly COVID safe. So she understands why a normal convention isn't feasible right now but that doesn't mean it will be completely out of view this year. The National Party is planning two hours of TV coverage each night with high-profile speakers like Senator Bernie Sanders, President Barack Obama, and even California's own Governor Gavin Newsom. The party's hoping that will be enough to get voters fired up, even from a distance. For The California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento.
0: For a lot of students around our state, this Monday is a big one. It's the first day of school. Obviously, circumstances are more than just a little different this year, given the COVID-19 pandemic. For now, it's all remote, and it's going to stay that way until California counties get a better handle on the recent surge in cases. For school districts, it's been a logistical nightmare, but they're working on it. At Fresno Unified, the third-largest school district in the state and the most impoverished, Superintendent Bob Nelson tells us they're taking it one priority at a time.
2: Priority number one is just making sure that people have the means of conveyance to try and make distance learning even a passable chance. We have to account for every single kid every day. We have 74,000 of them, and the degree of need here in the Valley is very high. So what I've tasked my leaders with is we have to find every child. So if you don't see them show up, On your ledger, on day one, day two, day three, we're making a home visit, PPE'd up, and appropriately out to that house to make sure that we can account for every single one of those children. Because making sure those kids and families are okay is our number one priority. Second is making sure they have the tools in order to be successful. So do they have a device? Do they have access to the curriculum? Do they know how to log on to our learning management system? And are they prepped to go? We've taken two days to do orientation. We're bringing folks in and trying to orient parents to the learning management system and also talking to them about what to expect. So every Monday, our families are gonna get a week at a glance so they know exactly what is expected of them. I think one of the biggest concerns about distance learning following the March 13th shutdown of the state was that people didn't know what was up and what was expected. So them having a very clear sense of what's expected for the week ahead will be absolutely crucial.
0: Um, You sound like you're working as hard as you possibly can, as fast as you possibly can. Are you feeling optimistic or overwhelmed right now?
2: Well, I mean, honestly, my personal kind of mantra is this militant positivity thing. So I don't really do anything other than optimism. And and that's really not about being Pollyanna. That's about waking up tomorrow and going to work early and still putting in the time and just refusing to be beat down. If ever there was a time in our history where leaders had to demonstrate and model resiliency like it's right now. And honestly, like our educators are rock stars, right? Right. By and large, they all want to serve. By and large, they all are innovative and are willing to do everything they can to connect with those kids and to treat their children in class like their own children in their home. That's all you could ask, right? So when you got a bunch of people who are willing to do that, and they're like chomping at the bit to go back. And they want to serve and they want to give their very best, right? It's hard to believe that you're going to fail in that scenario. That being said, we are going to fail in some areas. And we're going to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, get up tomorrow, and keep trying to serve. That was Bob Nelson,
0: superintendent of the Fresno Unified School District. Meanwhile, the L.A. Unified School District is launching a sweeping coronavirus testing effort. Under the program, tests would be provided to the district's nearly 700,000 students plus staff. Family members who test positive for the virus or show symptoms would also be offered testing. The district superintendent wrote in an L.A. Times op-ed that he's still fine-tuning the logistics of the program before the rollout. And that is the California Report for this Monday, August 17th. I'm Lily Jamali. Have a great Monday, everyone.
1: Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Ideas for storing leftover paint to keep it fresh and tips for using it up can be found at paintcare.org. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at WaterHeatersOnly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
0: slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
1: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners.